What is up, you beautiful human? Hello and welcome back to the Raw, Real and Vulnerable podcast with me, your host, Beck Antonucci. Fam, oh my fucking God, I am lit up on life. If you've been following along my Instagram, you would know that right now I'm in the Gold Coast and I just spent the past two days support coaching the most incredible transformational in-person work led by my mentor, Preston Smiles, and his incredible wife, Alexi Panos. This is the work that found its way into my life five years ago and is really where the seed of everything in my life has been created. And now to be able to co well, not co-facilitate, but support coach as we're called guardians, the support staff, it really is truly the most nourishing, awakening, exciting, rewarding work to be doing. And just to be in person with people is so vastly different to being online with humans. Yes, being online with humans is amazing. Delivering my work online is incredible, but being in person with people is also just so enriching on such a deeper level. I have recorded this podcast today after actually my in-person workshop, my signature limiting belief breakthrough. It was held in Perth, Western Australia. And fuck me, it was just so incredible from the location to my support team, to the way that I delivered the work, to the incredible women that came along. I was just so in my absolute fucking element and grateful to every single woman who handed her heart over to me to hold and the transformation that I got to co-facilitate with my support coach, Tracy Callahan. And oh, it was just the most amazing four-hour experience. So proud, so honored, so awakened from the inside out. So living that lit up life of aliveness that I say that I'm committed to. In fact, I'm considering getting a tattoo. <laughs> yeah, fam, I never, ever, ever, ever thought that I'd get one, but I'm considering getting on the inside of my right forearm, getting the word aliveness tattooed on the inside of it. So the only reason I haven't yet is actually because I know after you get a tattoo, you need to not sweat. And I fucking love working out. Even last year, I had my eyebrows booked in to get tattooed and I'm not really a cosmetic surgery, get anything done on my face kind of person, especially after coming back from the Philippines over 10 years ago with a horror overseas breast surgery. I'm like, fucking, I'm not letting anything touch this gorgeous face of mine because I'm not manifesting anything getting fucked up on this masterpiece. (laughs) Leave my face the way it is. Anyway, I had my eyebrows booked in to get tattooed, but I needed to leave a window of a week to not sweat. And I am a really sweaty exerciser and I love exercising. It's a way in which I navigate my emotions. And so I ended up cancelling every time I booked it because I was like, well, this isn't a convenient seven days to not sweat. So when I think about booking a tattoo, I'm like, oh, That sounds really great, but seven days of not boxing, I don't know if I can do that. So I was thinking, do I wait 12 months and if in 12 months' time I still want the tattoo, I get the tattoo or is this just a little Rebecca face? Who knows? But I do say that about fake breasts, not that today is about fake breasts at all, but I do say to people who ask me about whether or not they should get implants, something I like to say to them is, I mean, I believe that we're given all the toys of life by God to play with. And if you've desired it for a year consistently, then fuck yeah, book it in, go and get it if that feels like your highest desire. For me, I've always been a, I do not want a tattoo. And all of a sudden now that I'm like, yes, to a lit up life, I've decided I want one. And I think to myself, am I going to still want this in a year or is this going to be something I regret? So stay tuned, fam. I have no idea (laughs) whether whether or whether or not Rebecca is getting a tattoo on the inside of her forearm. But Today is a very vulnerable share. I share about obviously the transformational workshop that we had on the weekend, but diving even deeper into something really precious to my heart is my relationship with Jake. In February, about mid-Feb, we had a 
yeah, we decided to have a relationship completion. And it feels, this feels really vulnerable to share, but to end our relationship. And it was a really challenging week. It was a week of grief and it was a week of a lot of crying and a week of a lot of pain and a week of really holding each other in such a beautiful way. Just even if we had have ended, one thing that my friends were reminding me was like, just remember the kind of caliber of person you are and he is to go through a breakup and hold each other in love. It was just heartbreaking. Like literally felt like my heart had been ripped out of my chest and grieving, like crying, crying, full body crying. I'm laughing because I just had to hold my inner child. I have not connected with my inner child in such a way in such a long time. I actually love when I was a kid, I used to love Winnie the Pooh and I have this Winnie the Pooh toy that's maybe about a third of the size of me. And so I would bring her to bed and just cry and cry and cry into this toy because I felt so vulnerable and so sad. But Jake and I have been continuing having some really courageous conversations about our relationship, about the polarity that we desire to experience in our relationship, what the edges that we get to lean in look like, what life looks like outside of this next seven weeks. I'm going traveling to do leadership training, nervous system training, support Preston's work. I'm on the other side of Oz for seven weeks and I'm going to America. I'm running my own in-person event in Sydney mid-March. So I've got a lot of work stuff going on. We completed our lease because obviously the house was such a massive trigger for me and I wasn't managing to move through it, having the trigger constantly be surrounding me. And even though I'm sad for us to complete the house because now I'm attached to this house, even though we're leaving, I'm really desiring that the next time that Jake and I choose to move out together, it's because it's the right move for our relationship and not a circumstantial choice because past housemates have exited. I really desire every step of my life to be an intentional one and one that really aligns with my truth and my desires. And I've really been taught the most powerful lesson in saying yes when I really meant no. And this relationship has brought up all of my unresolved trauma from past relationships and any time a past version of me has said yes to a man when I really meant no. And it's been so insanely triggering. I'm really honoring Jake and his bravery and his love and his willingness to hold me and him and our relationship in the face of this massive trigger just showing up. I have just been chaotic, feminine, just absolutely in my fire when this trigger has shown up and he's held it, I mean, I wouldn't say in the best way, but I think anyone being thrown Beck's fire is going to find it a little bit challenging. So it's been it's been an interesting five months for us to both navigate, but I feel the two of us and our relationship will come out the other side stronger. Jake was like, if we fucking make it through this, I'm writing a fucking book. I'm like, if we make it through this, we will be multi-squillionaires <laughs> selling this relationship book. We're going to be able to coach on polarity, coach on the woman being in her fucking humanness when she says yes but she really means no and her throwing that fire at you god what a five-month journey i go through the fullness of my beckness in this episode today if you fucking love it please screenshot it share it to your story tag me so i can connect with you and hear what you receive because it lights me on fire to know what you get out of the episode strap yourself in fam this is one hell of an episode let's fucking go Oh my goodness, fam, coming in to you live after the most incredible in-person Perth Living Belief Breakthrough Workshop, my first event. This is my signature event and it's my first event since prior to the pandemic. And it's not like I forgot, I just believe that if you chase two rabbits, you catch none. So whilst my online business was really taking off and creating a lot of traction, I focused entirely there. 
But through this past year of desiring more fulfillment, more presence to my life, I've started to realize how important it is for me to get off the internet and get more and more and more in person with specifically women, but with humans in general, so that I can create more of this aliveness that I continue to speak into. I really believe that the mobile phone, for those women, I know that the conversation piece on aliveness, that podcast resonated with so many women who listened. Some women say they listened to it twice. People loving, loving, loving the adult shop story. Oh my God, my poor mother, if she did tune in. I found some photos of the toys and I put them up online on my Instagram story, just cracking up still. But Coming back to the conversation around aliveness, I truly believe that it is the mobile phone that is taking us away from the presence that we desire and the aliveness that we all crave requires presence to life. And the mobile phone keeps taking us out of it, which is why the weekend was so fulfilling. It was four incredible hours in the most beautiful environment. did it at my friend's home, Sean and Fiona, where they have this beautiful facility beautiful swimming pool, outdoor area, beautiful yoga studio. The phones were away and we were together in like-minded community and the day just felt so big and expansive and fulfilling and nourishing and rich and rewarding and there was no going back and forwards to Instagram. And so if you are resonating with the conversation piece around aliveness, fulfillment, pleasure, I'd love for you to consider how many times that you continue to pick up your mobile phone. And I want you to know this conversation isn't just for you, it's for me too. Because yesterday, obviously I had Saturday, which was the full day. And then my support coach, Tracy, flew in from the other side of Australia. So I took her out that evening. We went to Flight Space in Northbridge. I think it's Northbridge or Perth City. It is the fun social darts. I think it's the most fun thing. Once I find something I love, I do it so many times. So we've done Flight Space for Father's Day. Jake and I have done Flight Space for a day. I took Tracy to Flight Space. This weekend, I've said I'm going to catch up with friends. I'm like, have you been to Flight Space? Jake's like, how many fucking times do you want to go to this place? But they do the best cocktails the best food, and it's so much fun. I love playing games. So Tracy and I went out. I took her to Fremantle. I had left my home at, say, 7 a.m. in the morning and got home at midnight and had barely been on my phone all day long. While the next day, there was so many women that were sharing the event, so many photos from the event, so many beautiful testimonials that I was on my phone reading and sharing and resharing and posting and just so much stuff. And the polar opposite of Saturday was Sunday when even though I was like, I need to relax today. Yes, there was so much energy. I get to pour into me. I'm going to lie in bed and just fucking chill. I was on my mobile phone a lot and I really got to see the contrast between the big, expansive, fulfilling, lit up day versus the lying in bed, flicking in between Instagram and emails and all the things and how much time can be spent wasted in this device. And often I sit with the conversation piece of, I reckon I could get the exact same amount of stuff done in such a smaller amount of time if I'm really intentional about when I pick up my phone and for how long so that I intentionally go into the device, I intentionally know what I'm about to get up to, and then I intentionally put it down and I intentionally go into my real life and go and live it fucking on purpose and feeling purposeful. So that was the weekend. I can't wait to bring the next event over to Sydney on March 19th. I've got the next event coming up in Sydney, March 19th. And it's really funny because for about 2.5 seconds, I changed the name of the workshop. It's called the Limiting Belief Breakthrough. And someone said to me, you need to change it to something much more empowering so that more people want to attend. It needs to be called like, live with courage or act confidently or something, something. I was like, so I changed it to live fearlessly for about 2.5 seconds. And you know what? It just doesn't fucking resonate. 
it's called the limiting belief breakthrough. And it's really funny. At the end of the day, a woman who came and she came with one of her friends, she goes, I had no fucking idea what I was signing up for, but I knew that I didn't need another mindset training. And she goes, I can't believe what this was. It, you can't even put into words. I said to her, how do I write a description for what today was for you? Because it's such a felt experience. It's such an embodied experience. It's an experiential transformational workshop. It's not another, I'm going to read slides. You someone said, you've got your slides ready. I was like, what the fuck is, what fucking slides? Do I look like a person who's going to present with slides? Number one, I'd rather shoot myself in the head. And number two, that isn't how you are going to receive transformation. We co-created the most powerful space and it was amazing. Jump onto my Instagram, go to the highlight that says breakthrough. You'll be able to read the testimonials, see the work, see the photos, see the videos. It was just absolutely unbelievable. And I'm promising you that you need to make a way out of no way to get back into the next room that I create. We've got Sydney coming up March 19th. And then the next workshop in Perth will be May. I haven't set a date yet. I'm going away for seven weeks, but I'll confirm ASAP because I know so many women after the weekend that just went were like, oh my fucking God, I need to come to the next one. But yes, I'm going away for seven weeks and I am following Preston and Alexi and following their work to support their work in Gold Coast and in Austin, Texas. In fact, this podcast releases the 6th of March. So I would have just finished the past weekend supporting the first weekend of their work in Gold Coast. And I'm sure it was absolutely unbelievably amazing. I know that you all know that I am committed to this life of aliveness and being in rooms with Preston Smiles lights me up from the fucking inside out. He is such an activator for me. He is God walking, talking for me. God speaks to me through this man. And I'm so excited to be in the room with him, with his wife, with support coaches who I love and trust and who are part of my soul family. And I just know that I'm going to bring through so much more power and potency to my work, my life, myself, my clients after this seven weeks. I'm supporting them in Gold Coast. I'm supporting them in Austin, Texas. I've got a leadership training. I've got nervous system training. I've got a feminine embodiment retreat. So just lots of diving into this work that I love to really bring through more potency in the work that I bring into the world. And I do not know. (laughs) Penny drop, but not penny drop, bomb drop. I have no fucking idea where I'm living when I get back. Everyone's like, where are you going to live? I don't know where I'm going to live, fam. I have no fucking idea, but I trust that God is going to bring me exactly what I need in the right moment. I just knew that this house was such a trigger for me. It felt circumstantial and I never wanted to move in with a partner because circumstances led us to that. I desired to move in with a partner because we decided together as a team, as a unit, as a relationship that, hey, this is the next step in our life together. And I don't feel like that's what happened with Jake and myself. I feel like he moved into this house. The person that he lived with moved out fast and left him with this lease and I moved in so that we could maintain the lease and Jake had a housemate, but that didn't feel like, oh my God, we're so in love and this is the right next step for us. And a lot of my trauma has actually been through relationships. So for me, it was really fast and it was too fast. It was too much too soon. And it brought up a lot for me. In fact, this past two weeks has been a lot. Uh, Jake and I actually completed our relationship, like decided to break up mutually two weeks ago. And I really believed in that moment. It was the right decision. And I also believe that I was so desensitized to relationship that I would just be like, oh, well, Jake and I are over. Let's move on now. And that is not the experience that I had. It was all consuming deep grief for this person that I love so much. Like 
wailing and crying. And I allowed myself to fucking go there. Days and days of chronic headaches because I was crying for days and days. Almost crashed my car three times on the first day, just like crying and crying and crying. It felt so painful. Felt so painful. The thought of loss of someone that is my best friend and someone that I just feel so safe with and someone that, yeah, I just have so much love with. But this move brought up so much for me that it was so triggering. I was so mad at his last housemate for asking him to move in here and then leaving so fast. I was so mad at myself for saying yes when I really meant no. And even though logically I knew that this hadn't happened, it brought up for me being taken advantage of by men. It brought up for me sacrificing my needs for the benefit of men. It brought up for me selfish men getting what they want at the detriment of myself. And even though logically I know that this is not what was going on, even though logically I know that Jake wasn't taking advantage of me, even though logically I know that Jake doesn't want me to say yes when I really mean no, it brought up all of my unresolved old stuff. Like it literally brought up my selfish ex-boyfriend not honoring my voice and not meeting my needs and then me breaking up with him and then him coming begging for me back time and time again to get what he wanted only for me to exit and then me ask the man that I slept with, have you been tested? And him promising me that he went to the doctors the previous week getting home from Thailand to get checked for STIs to tell me that he was totally clear, felt like being lied to, betrayed, taken advantage of, manipulated for the benefit of the man's needs and at the loss and the cost of my own. Sydney babes, are you ready for your breakthrough? March 19th, I am bringing my signature in-person work to town for a limiting belief breakthrough three-hour in-person event not to be missed. Get into your body, break free from your limiting beliefs, feel your way through three experiential and life-changing hours with me and my incredible support team and powerfully claim the woman you were brought here to be. This is not just another mindset workshop because I could simply just recommend you a book to read instead. This work is true embodiment. Head to the link in my show notes and get your ticket today. And I know that Jake wasn't doing any of that to me, but fuck me, was I triggered. I was looking at him like you were the villain. And remember Drama Triangle? If there's a villain, you're either the hero and or the victim. So who was I? I was the victim in this. And I was looking at the house. I was looking at Jake's old housemate. I was looking at him like, you have fucking done this to me. I was in full projection, full blame, full just, I was so angry. And just the height of the trigger, it just felt so consuming. I didn't understand what was going on. I was in full fight or flight. I was in survival. Remember, when someone is in the survival brain, you cannot talk logic or reasoning. You cannot rationalize with this person because that person really believes that there is true threat, even if there isn't one, even if there is not one. This person believes that their survival depends on getting away from the current scenario that has been presented to them. So for me and this move, and in saying yes when I really meant no, and how much of my past this has brought up for me, like Jake is just a straw that broke the camel's back and it's brought up all the stuff from my past relationships that was unresolved that I really thought was resolved, it just brought it straight to the surface. And for me, I must have gone straight into, well, to begin with, fight. Like, like I was throwing some fucking fire at Jake. And then I was like, flight, get the fuck out of here. And when I've been able to pull myself away from it, and remember some people in survival, they'll take fucking four days to be able to regulate back into homeostasis. Not an hour 
not two hours, not a night of good sleep, days. And I was in full survival mode. When I've been able to pull myself away from it, I've been able to see, it's taken me months to really be able to see what's here. And for so long, I was just like, it's Jake, it's Jake, it's Jake. He's a problem. Our relationship's a problem. This house is a problem. If I could just get myself away, then I will feel safe. And through the breakup, I was able to see the pain and the grief of the love that I have for someone and crack my heart open on a deeper level to Jake and to the love that I have for him. And I was also able to see, I really believe that there are spaces and edges within our relationship that I haven't, that we haven't as a couple lent into that we get to explore to see if the kind of relationship that we both desire is possible on the other side. We have such a beautiful foundation of strength and of companionship and of love and of loyalty and of trust. And even for me, just having this rock solid man that is so fiercely committed to that no matter what, Rebecca, we can whatever challenges are faced to us, are presented to us, on the other side of that, we can really break through anything that's here. It's just going to take work and intention. Like, to be totally honest, the polarity conversation fucking destroys me on the inside. It really does. It brings up so much stuff for me. It brings up not being good enough. It brings up all my triggers from rejection from my teenage years. It brings up not being pretty enough, not being skinny enough, not being sexy enough, not being blonde enough. I don't have any tattoos. I'm like, I wonder if I had like faker fake boobs. And I know this maybe sounds ridiculous and I've, I've worked on this story for so long, but it's honestly all the thoughts and fears that my little teenager has ran from her entire life and then worked through for the past 10 years, it shows up again, the polarity. There's a part of me that blames myself. If I was just different, if I was just sexier, why does another man find me attractive? But And Jake's like, I find you beautiful, but our polarity is just not what I crave for it to be. And I am curious what polarity looks like in the confines of a safe relationship because I notice that my biggest turn-on comes when my core wound of rejection is being triggered. My core wound of not being chosen is a part of the reason why I really believe It comes out in my shadow sexuality, why there's a part of me that really loves threesomes and really enjoys a threesome with a man and another woman because it's triggering in that moment them choosing her over me. And that, to me, ignites something inside of myself. And so I've really decided to get really curious about what a thriving sexual relationship looks like and polarity looks like in the confines of a safe relationship because where my turn-on has been the most has probably truly been where my safety has been not even existent. And all my core wound of not being good enough, not being chosen, really activated and that's created a lot of turn-on in that moment for me. Do I believe that's healthy? Fuck no. <laughs> Do I feel from the woman now I would never choose a partner like that? Absolutely. There's no chance I would ever go back to there. Even I was thinking if Jake and I did break up, I'm like, I'm not going to go sleeping around. Like that was such a reactive expression of me. That version of me at 25, she at that point in time had had so few sexual partners. And then when I was on the receiving end of an STI, I was just like, well, fuck. (laughs) I was never a slut and you gave it to me now. Not that I don't believe that word anymore. And I'm like, fucking let's embrace the slut. Let's fucking go. But I was like, well, fuck, I'm ruined. This thing that I thought was so sacred has been ripped from me. I may as well fucking go for it. And I was mad. I kind of 
spite fucked a lot of men because I was mad at them. I believe that they deserved it. I was like, I get to reclaim what you took from me. And I did that for a really long time. And I'm so grateful as well because herpes was my massive permission slip to sexual expression and liberation beyond what I ever thought was possible. It allowed me to explore a lot of curiosities that I had, not all things that I enjoyed. And I think that's really important because I think as humans, I think we think that everything's meant to feel good. And if we try something and it doesn't feel good, that makes it bad. But I don't agree with that. I think sometimes we can have a curiosity and be like, let's explore it. And then through the feedback, decide, is this something that I'd love to try again? But just because we explore it and it isn't what we wanted it to be doesn't make the experience bad. It just means that I'm not going to choose that again. And so I've really had to ask myself, am I going to run from this beautiful, safe relationship with so much love here and so much friendship here? Am I going to run from that? Because the edges that we get to look like are so vulnerable and so intimate and so challenging and bring up all of my stuff. I ask myself that often. Like, oh, I know that some men just think I'm the fucking hottest thing to walk the planet. I just know. And women, you get that. You know when you walk down the street and someone looks at you and they're like, I, I'm like fucking you with my eyes. We, we've all had that experience that some people are just, there's some kind of attraction energy between you and that person. And they're just like ready to eat your life. It actually happened for me quite a lot in Europe. I know European men are very tapped into their sexuality. But when I was out dancing, I could just feel all eyes on me. My woman felt so seen and received. And I would think to myself, what the fuck? I want this with my partner. Like I want him to look at me like this. And yeah, it's brought up a lot. This polarity conversation, it's triggering. And I guess the really easy thing is to leave and to find someone that thinks that you're the hottest thing on the planet and wants to eat you alive from the inside out. And then a few of my girlfriends have met these men lately and they're like, oh my God, we're just having the best, most mind-blowing sex. And that's not to say sex with Jake isn't amazing. It really is. But there's lots of places that we can still lean into. And it's just the polarity. With Jake and I, we're not like, oh my God, I'm going to fucking rip your clothes off. We have to be really intentional about setting the scene, creating the environment, going on a date, really flirting with each other, turning each other on throughout the evening to then create that expansive experience. I went to a vulva photo shoot, a pussy photo shoot with Ellie from Comfortable in My Skin when she was in Perth. And we did a lot of different pleasure practices and asking for what we want and asking how to be touched and how we like to be touched and working with different oils and different sex candles and exploring the five different erotic love languages and Mine is sensual, which I didn't actually realize, even though I'm like, it's really fucking obvious, you're submissive. And I'm so much softer than my like fire warrior allows me to really believe that I am. But slow, soft, gentle, like that's me all over. And so then when I got home that afternoon, oh my God, we had the best sex. But obviously I'd been turned on essentially from the morning, thought about my pleasure, all throughout the day and then was able to come home to Jake and ask for exactly what I wanted, exactly how I wanted it. And it was amazing. So that was evidence for me that the kind of intimacy that I crave is possible. It really just requires a lot of vulnerability and a lot of really the woman, me, myself, being tapped into what I really want, like how I really desire to be touched, the the speed, the the temperature, the heat of the oil. Like I don't like the sex candles. I'm not a yes to them, but I do love the hot oil. I love my neck 
being bitten and touched. It turns me on if it's slower. There's just so much and there's so much possibility that I've really had to sit with, is it possible to experience this with Jake? And then, I mean, obviously after we first broke up, we the next morning we had just like the best sex ever, which all my friends were like, everyone has the best sex after a breakup. I'm like, oh my God. But it was just so open-hearted and so loving and just like afterwards we were sitting there both confused like, wow, are we walking away from this? I was like, are we walking away from this? I don't know. Are we? We're not walking away from it right now. We're not. And then that Sunday, and we're still in the confusion. Now at this time we've had the amazing sex, the heart opening, the full body crying, like like migraines of all the body weight and tears crying. And I go to a somatic breathwork with Fiona and Sean, my friends. They're the owners of the place in which I hosted my in-person workshop over the weekend. And I did Brian Kelly's 9D somatic breathwork. And it's funny what our intention can be and what actually comes through and what God always gives us because my intention was around living from an open, unguarded, kind, loving heart. And I really thought that the breath work would allow me to receive some clarity on mine and Jake's relationship and what to or not to do. And as I went into this breath work, I had this memory of myself and my father come up. And the 9D breath work took me into a hallway when I was 12 years old. And when I was 12 years old, my dad had given me $30 to go to the movies with my friend Stephanie Pym. And on day one that we went to the movies, her mum paid for us to go to the movies. So on day two, when we went, we decided to go back to the movies because we still had $30 and we spent the entire $30. Anyway, that Sunday night comes and I'm in the hallway of my parents' home. And in my 9D breathwork, I literally walk into this vision. And as I walk into the hallway, I see my dad talking to my little girl. I'm 12. He's standing over her and he asks her what change I had brought home for him. Now, context. He didn't even tell my little girl how much change to bring home. He didn't say, here's $30, bring back 10. But I spent it all. And he asked me what change was remaining. And I can see in this vision, my little girl, and I can see her saying, I don't have any change. And he really told me off. And whether it's true or not, I, my little girl, felt really shamed in that moment, really shamed. And in that moment, I was creating so many stories about money, about my dad, about women. He said to me, your mother would never spend $30 on herself. And I I still remember that. And I could see that in this vision and the shame that I felt in that moment when he said that piece to me. Oh, And it's really funny, my entire life, all my stuff that's come up, even this move into this house, this house has been more expensive than my last house and it's brought up, this is me sacrificing for a man and it brought up survival and money and me trying to run from my dad's money story and putting so much blame on my dad and my dad's stuff and I'm the way that I am because of my dad has always been blaming my dad for the money story that I've had up until now. And in this memory, in this moment, I was able to walk into this room and comfort and coach my little girl who was able to let her know that money gets to be fun and we also get to be smart with money and we also get to use our voice when dad gave us that $30 next time we can just ask hey dad how much change would you love for me to bring home or how much of this $30 am I able to spend and I was just able to really support her in this moment and at the same time as I was witnessing my dad tell me off essentially and realize and recognize all the blame I've had towards my father basically my entire fucking life when it comes to money, that kind of like tight ass Italian, always have a coupon, 
always have a discount, always ask what the best deal is. I remember this used to embarrass me as a child. I've always been like, this is my dad's stuff. And I was able to recognize in that moment, oh my God, this isn't his stuff either. This was given to him. This isn't dad's fault. Dad having this conversation with me, dad having the coupons, dad having the discount vouchers, dad asking for the best deal. This is his way to feel resourced around this thing that was handed to him. He was never given self-development. He was never given comprehension or a book about money. He doesn't know. This is his way to resource himself. And I've blamed him my entire life. I've wronged him. I've pointed at him like, this is your fucking fault for speaking to me like this. Even I remember years ago, I found this video of myself, my mum, my dad. My dad used to film everything, had a really cute upbringing. And it's my little sister's birthday and I'm seven and she's three. She has a bell from me for her bike and she's ecstatic about this present. And then she gets a baby born and she really wanted a baby born. She's ripping it open and we're all tricking her and she's going, it's a baby born, it's a baby born. And dad's going, no, it couldn't be a baby born. And mum's going, no, it's not. And I go, and this wrecked me when I watched this back, I go, it can't be a baby born, Jess. We don't have enough money for that. Oh my God, I like wailed crying when I watched this video back because I was like, where the fuck does a seven-year-old get the language? We don't have enough money for that. And I remember when I watched that video, I was like, that's my fucking dad and it's his fucking fault. He spoke to me. He drilled this because I'm doing well for myself now. I'm really proud of the work that I've done. But up until 18, or even my first job was probably 15 and nine months when it was legal to work, up until the pandemic happened, I have always worked. I've always had multiple jobs. I've always earned a good income and I had always spent it all and spent more than what I'd earned. And I always blamed it on my father, never wanting to be like him. And I always blamed his story. It was because he spoke to me that way. He told me there wasn't enough. And there was so much blame, so much just like, it's dad's fault. He should have known better. He should not have spoke to me like that. I can't remember who I was out with, but it was someone and their children. And the children asked for something. And the parents said, mommy and daddy don't have enough money for that. And there was a part of me that was like, don't speak to your children like that. But I was like, zip up your fucking mouth, Rebecca. You're not here to teach people how to parent their children. But it really just like, oh, there is me speaking an empowered way about money to my children will be really important to me. Also, Even Jake and I, sometimes we compliment each other on our bodies or we'll pick on each other about our bodies, which is naughty and not great when it comes to creating polarity, fam. But we've actually been saying, you know, if we have children together, that would probably be five years away. We get to be super conscious of the language in which we use around them, including around about our bodies and about money, which is why anything that I want my kids to know in five years' time and how I desire to be then, I really need to start embodying now because, I mean, what am I going to do? Have a baby and just change the way that I speak? Absolutely not. But as I was witnessing my father speak to me like this and recognizing the blame that I had towards him, I kind of had this awareness of, oh my fucking God, this isn't his fault either. This was handed to him. This was handed over to him. This was given to him. This isn't even his stuff. He didn't want this. He fucking didn't want to carry this. This wasn't his either. And in that moment, I was really able to let my father off the hook of blame that I've held him on basically my entire fucking life. It was powerful. All right, fam, that went a million different places. 
event on the weekend. It was absolutely incredible. Breakup, non-breakup with Jake, painful, but we're here. And letting my father off the hook of blame, of the money, shame, and trauma that I've held on to my entire life, I really believe that it's up to me to break this generational trauma that has probably been here for many, 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 many years, if not all the years that the Antonucci's have ever existed on this planet. Fam, I hope you got a lot out of today. If you love listening just as much as I loved recording it, please screenshot it, share it to your story and tag me so I can hear what you receive and most importantly, so that I can connect with you. Have the most beautiful, brilliant day. Let's fucking go. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you're desiring more from me right now, Firstly, I love your eagerness. And secondly, let's make it happen. Check out the link in my show notes where you can receive more information on my books, breakthroughs, online webinars, all upcoming courses and programs, and how you can get started on your journey within my world today. I can't wait to be back in your ears next week. And trust me, you won't want to miss this episode.